Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am so excited to have Trisha Barker on the show. Trisha is a graduate of University of Texas and she also has her MFA in creative writing from Goddard College. Trish had a profound near-death experience during her senior year of college, and this experience guided her to teach overseas in public schools and at the college level. Her near-death experience story has been featured on I Survived Beyond and Back, National Geographic, and in Simple Grace Magazine, an article in Women's World Magazine, Coast to Coast AM, and it was featured on the Dr. Oz Show. She now teaches at a beautiful community college in Fort Worth, and she also interviews other near-death experiencers, researchers, healers, spiritual teachers, and mediums on her very own YouTube channel. So thank you. Thank you for coming to the program, Trish. Oh, thank you, Marla. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward yeah. to talking with you. Yes, me too. Do people call you Trish or is it always Trisha? Trisha, yeah. <laughs> Trisha. Okay, great, great. I'll stick with Trisha then. <laughs> so let's just jump right in. Can you just tell us a little bit what happened um, your senior year of college and what, what kind of person you were before that happened in terms of you know, spirituality? Yeah, so I was agnostic in my senior year of college, and I was also suffering a bit emotionally, and, and I was trying to get my life together in many ways uh, to basically take on the world after graduation and, and, you know, enter the workforce, and I looked at my life, and I felt a little scared. I remember just thinking, okay, I'm going to run this race, and this is a symbol of me getting my life together. Did not cross my mind that a spiritual experience would happen, or a near-death experience, or even an accident. Uh, it was early morning, and I had a car wreck, and I needed emergency spinal surgery after that. So I waited a long time in the ER completely consumed by the physical. So the spiritual was really not uh, important to me. I wanted to know if I was gonna walk, who was gonna get me out of my classes, because obviously this was gonna be a big ordeal. And you know, if I graduate the next year, everything in my world before I went into surgery was locked right here in the physical, if that makes sense. Right, yes, it does. So what happened after in, in the surgery? So I was wheeled in for emergency surgery. And what happened was I was shocked beyond belief. The spirit body that is within me lifted up out of my form. And they'd probably been working on me for a couple of hours because I looked down and my back was open, my hip was open, and there was so much blood. 
And I have to tell you, I was excited. I felt like, oh, who cares about that body? This consciousness goes on. Oh my goodness, I was wrong. Can't wait to tell all my agnostic friends. And I was certain, really just in that first moment out of body. And I knew that because the consciousness that I felt felt so much more intense and alive and smarter perhaps than I had been, you know, in my physical self. I felt like yes. just learning so much so quickly. And the, I was certain that this was a reality, not a dream, because I could see the operating table. I could see my body. I could see the neurosurgeons at work. And it looked as if the angels standing behind them were a reality or an overlay. So it was like this reality plus another reality. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's so much more to life than I ever realized. I mean, I was truly joyful. I mean, that, that's yeah. just how my soul reacted to this. Right. And it was different from what I had imagined. I grew up in the Christian religion and I read the Bible and I tried to picture angels, but these angels were different. They were nine feet tall. They were massive. And the first thing that they struck me with was their intelligence. So they have this healing, beautiful light that came through their eyes and went into the surgeons and into my physical body. And I knew just from listening to them through this energy that they were telling me they were going to assist the doctors. They were going to help heal me. They were there for guidance, and and it was it was fascinating to me. I'd never heard of Reiki or anything like that, and I right. <laughs> and I and you didn't think of them as angels in the beginning, right? It was more like light beings, or and that term came a little bit later for you. Yes, yes. I I'm comfortable calling them angels, but they really just struck me as these intelligent light beings, or these beings that spoke with light through their eyes and. And yet they had a majestic quality to them, an eternal quality, an intelligent quality to them that made me feel in awe of their ability. Right. And so you were just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe this consciousness really does. I do. I'm still alive. Yeah. More life, <laughs> more life than ever. Yes. And it looked wow. like this was the play or the theater. And that was the reality over there. I mean, that was my feeling about it was, oh, that's the real reality. And we just take this all too seriously, as I had right before that accident. I mean, I'd taken right. my body seriously, my car, all these things. And, and a lot of times, what does that mean in 10 years or 20 years or 50 years? All these things that we worry about in the physical, and it seemed as if the spiritual was so much more important was really the reality of the journey. And that was just the first few moments of the near-death experience. And I call that the out-of-body experience because after the angels worked on my body for a moment, the monitor flatlined. And then I realized, oh, my physical body's dead. They're probably gonna revive me or they're gonna try. I'm not interested in watching that. That will be kind of gross. <laughs> that was my, my thought. <laughs> Tired of the, the blood at that point. Yeah, was just like, that's a lot of blood. And, and later when um, the Bio Channel interviewed me, they did get my medical records and they said that the way I had died is I bled to death. Uh, so on the operating table, I had internal injuries wow. and that was what occurred in that moment. So my heart stopped, the monitor flatlined, 
and my spirit form was out into the hall. I just couldn't wait to get out of there and it it seemed like easy to just go through the wall and just be in a new place and and I briefly saw my stepdad get a candy bar out of a vending machine and didn't know why that was important later that was important because it was verified that he did indeed do that and researchers love those moments that show someone doing that and uh, or or show that consciousness extends beyond the physical yes i saw him and then i just wished that he had a good life and was good to my mom and then flew out into the night sky and in that night sky I felt a growing connection to everyone I'd ever known. So, and everyone in the town of Austin, it's kind of funny. A a couple of months back, I I went to speak in Austin and I said, how many of you were here in 1994? And I was like, I think my soul merged with yours. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And we laughed. It looked familiar. That was the odd part. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. Then you were probably right. <laughs> but I, I just felt this like love for everyone in the town of Boston and and I said to their soul, I just said, Hey, I love you, be good, enjoy life and take care of yourself. And, and it was just this merging, this oneness that felt really wonderful. Right. And then in that sky I kind of transitioned into what looked like outer space, lots of stars, beauty. We've seen those space images and it yes very much like that but i felt a growing light or consciousness coming toward me which to me felt like god i wasn't afraid in that space i didn't feel alone even though my soul was maybe alone i felt taken care of connected in some way and god came towards me i called this light god but you know this higher consciousness filtered toward me and showed me almost like a movie screen but but as if it is in full view and you're you're a part of the movie as well. But in this night sky, I saw parts of my life. I saw when I was a kid, this was a good thing to be in nature and to be innocent and loving. I heard messages like love is all that matters. And, and then I had a small life review. I was only 22. I tend to like those child uh, near-death experiences because believe it or not at 22 even though I was worldly there was still an innocence to me yes absolutely and I hadn't I hadn't harmed people but what God showed me is that I was a little judgmental and that I was a little Mm. and a little bit silly in the way that I judged people because I was trying to move up in society by being at college and I thought it was really cool for liking certain movies and documentaries and living this alternative lifestyle. And if people didn't dress like me or go to the same college or like the things I liked, I just didn't have time for them. And God showed me that they were actually, this one couple prayed for me and they were actually very loving and they were worried about me. They thought I was depressed and I was so humbled that I looked at their physical outside world and they actually cared about me at a soul level. And I I thought, I'll never do that again. I will never discredit someone just on these silly reasons of, uh, of discredit. And I will try to look at their heart. Right, right. I remember I heard you talking about if they didn't wear Doc Martens, you just didn't really. (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know, listen, you're 22 years old, you know, that's, the, that's, that's, and that's a couple you're referring to that you worked with at, at a restaurant, correct? Yeah, and yeah. Just didn't connect with them much before. But I saw how beautiful their souls were. And I, I felt humbled in many ways. Just, yeah. I want to be more like them. And right, right. Was. And, yeah. and that uh, opened up this door of perception of, hey, let's just connect with people at the heart level and soul level and just forget about everything else. And that was my main lesson in life. All the moments of my life that were self-destructive, it was as if God was saying, uh, just do better, love yourself more. It wasn't right. this harsh, you're going to burn in hell for doing drugs or you're going to, you know, there wasn't that feeling. It was more just like, hey, be better to yourself, be kinder nice. to yourself. And I thought, wow, God is deeply compassionate, deeply loving. And what he wants or what God wants from us is just to be more loving ourselves. Yeah. And maybe we fail at times, but that's the mission, you know, mm -hmm. from God is to be more loving. So after that life review, I transitioned into this heavenly landscape, which to me just looked like flowing grass and this beautiful sky. And the grass was so perfect as if it had never died, could never die. It was just emerald green and, and flowing with life. And I love nature. And me too. And it, it seemed like the perfect version of nature. My soul was the perfect version of me there. Uh, the grass was the perfect version of grass. And I felt just deeply peaceful. My grandfather showed up and- Yes. And he was the only person who was dead. He, he actually died when I was 10 and I was the last person to see him. And he had that surge of energy and we were leaving for lunch and he had leukemia and he was in the hospital and he sat up in bed and he looked at me and he said, I love you, Tricia, goodbye. And then we went to lunch and when we came back, he was dead. And so it was kind of joyous to meet up yeah. again. He was, he was my touch point of unconditional love. You know, someone who just thought I was it. I was his only grandchild and he really made an effort to connect with me before he died. And when I saw him, I just felt at home and peaceful, like that reunite, re reuniting of, of us was just perfect the way it should be. And I think everyone is going to feel that when they transition. I think everyone is going to see the people that they miss and love so much. And it feels mm -hmm. like no time passed at all. Like they've always right. been in Yes. And, and there was a blue truck there, I heard. Yes. <laughs> this is weird. And this is probably where agnostics will go, that's a dream. <laughs> but it was not a dream. The truck was a perfect version of a truck he had given our family. And in life, the truck had sat there and rusted and just sat in our front yard. You know, we were a country family. And it, it just, uh, I thought, thought about putting pot plants in it at some point. <laughs> But, but in heaven, it was working perfectly. And I think that's the point of it is that everything that we love, and he loved that truck and had given it to our family as, as a token of love, you know. Right. And 
I almost wouldn't have recognized him with that without that truck because he looked to be about 35 and his jaw was so strong and he was this handsome younger man and he did not look like the man in his 70s who died of leukemia that I knew. Yeah. And so we just did what we did when I was a kid. He let me sit in the back of the truck and I had chosen a form like a child. So we kind of matched each other in that way. Our relationship continued. And then, then he turned back to me and he said, do you want to continue on? And I knew continue on meant go towards the light of God. And my soul was like, yes, without a doubt. And I right. flew towards God. I could feel people's prayers trying to hold me back. And I could hear every single word that they said which was fascinating, as if it was just an entity. The prayer was a wind or an entity, but I didn't care because God was up ahead. <laughs> and so yes. I understood that they were praying, and I thought, that's sweet, but I'm about to meet God. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is really a big moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> and I have never felt so good. And honestly, I have to say, I've never felt as good as that moment. That was the best moment of my life. The closer and closer I got to God, the more at peace I felt, the more loved I felt, the more I felt okay as myself. And I think we all just long for that. We just want to feel mm. that level of safety and love and peace and we glimpse it in meditation and church and deep connection moments with one another. But I have to say it's a million times better being in the presence of God. And, right. and many near-death experiencers, and I'm one of them, get kind of brokenhearted and lonely for that feeling because it's, it is the best feeling ever. And I yes. wanted to keep going to just merge with God's love to just get deeper and deeper into it, but I was stopped. And right. every near-death experiencer generally talks about some boundary. Sometimes it comes very yes. sometimes later. Mine happened then, and I couldn't go any deeper into that light of God. And I was shown this river, and God said, look down, you're going to work as a teacher, there are people who need to be reminded of their own light and their own connection to divinity. And, and I realized that light was inspiration. It was feeling good about oneself. It was letting go of fear. The darkness was really fear, depression, anger, anything that prevented people from being their best self. And I yes. thought, well, I guess God thinks I should do this through education, but um, no. <laughs> so uh, I do not want to be a teacher. I grew up poor, yes. no thank you. And so <laughs> it's funny that you can be rebellious even in the presence of God. <laughs> Apparently you can, but uh, God knows better. <laughs> so I yes, yes. flung back into my body and that was that. <laughs> And you became a teacher. I did. I had no yeah. choice. And it has yeah. been amazing. Right. And before we talk about that, I find it so fascinating that I know as a little girl, you just love to be outdoors. And I, I grew up in the country too. So I, I totally, totally get what you're talking about as being a little girl on the truck and your legs swinging off the back end of the truck. And I have such vivid memories. But um and then that's what you really connected with when you were on the other side with the nature and 
that you were told, I thought, or you were shown how it was when you were like a three or four year old again. Can you just elaborate on that? Yeah, so I was very deep as a child. I would go to nature and I would try to connect with God. And I think it was around four or five. I'd been to a lot of Sunday school classes and mm -hmm. I tried to connect in my own way. And I just came up with this. I, I sat cross-legged out in a field near a briar patch. And I said, God, I want to see rabbits. <laughs> so I closed my eyes, you know, kids. So right, right. And I just sat there and prayed for a long time. And when I opened them, all these rabbits were playing around me. And there was like, you know, baby rabbits. And they were pretty close. They weren't that far away. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. I got my wish. Well, in heaven, I saw rabbits in that grass. And so that mm -hmm. just made me feel so happy that maybe faith is connected to us in this deep way and that maybe what we love and what is important to us lives on yes so that connection to those rabbits lived on and the other side yes. many people have talked about seeing their pets on the other side and yes being connected in that way so i feel like i have a little tiny glimpse of that yeah do you feel also that it was showing you the importance of having more of a childlike nature, more wonder, awe, you know, being, just being open, unconditional love. Yeah, it's a beautiful way to be. It really is. And more joy enters into our lives when we're able to live like that. And right. I think the greatest friendships and greatest relationships are when people can just meet one another in that field of experience and be joyful and, and happy together. Right, right. So tell me a little bit about teaching because I know you just love it and you work um, with um, kids who are not affluent, if, um, that are a, a bit, some are underprivileged, I guess I can say. And, um, and you just say that you see their hearts and you try to help them expand. And sometimes even the light kind of comes th through you. <laughs> They're just sitting there looking at you like, what is going on? Just tell us a little bit about your experience as a teacher. Yeah, so initially, you know, I had a year long physical recovery and, and uh, after that accident, and I just went back to college and said, okay, I'm doing this. I'm gonna teach, even though I wanted a more lucrative career. And I right. tell you that the moment my feet hit that first classroom, I felt like it was destiny. I felt, oh, okay, wow. then I'm really meant to do this. And I can just speak to kids in truthful, honest ways. And it's amazing, you know, parents and coaches and other people in their lives, they might come off in a different way or they might seem to have an agenda but i just told them the truth about what i saw what i experienced what i think was better for them in terms of health and and their abilities and i think there was a combination of inspiration but but there was maybe a combination of kind of tough love too like hey i'm going right. to tell you the truth about your situation and what you have to do to change it if you want to and it's going to be hard, but here's the way out. Uh, and, and that happened with many students who had abusive parents or alcoholic parents or, you know, parents who were pretty awful. And, and yet I want right. to point these kids in a, a direction for their own salvation and their own healing, their own light. And 
And in that role, they could hear me because they understood that I was really just there to help them. And they could take it or leave it. You know, it was it was up to them. But um, but I'm so glad to have had that role, to have been playful with them at times, to yeah. have supported them in various ways on their journey. And everyone's different. Sometimes I did feel, I always thought, okay, those angels work through the neurosurgeons. Can they work through me in the classroom? Yeah. When I was lucky, I would feel something working through me telling me to elaborate on a theme and a story because someone needed that in their life at that time. And maybe it didn't help everyone, but maybe it was aimed at this one person who was struggling. And that was part of what I just started doing. And then I, I always prayed for my students too, because honestly, I didn't know if I had enough wisdom to help them, but I thought, well, my light and my prayers maybe will help them get into the best college or get that job or or just fix whatever is troubling them. And so yeah. that act of praying was really sending light. You know, people talk about being light workers, but, but there was just, I don't have kids myself. So there was this part of me that always felt like I'm giving some of my energy to them and their journey. And I really hope that it helps in some way. So that was right. the, the essence of it. And isn't it interesting that you mentioned praying because in your experience, you saw how profound praying can be if it's sincere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've encountered some people who pray like passive aggressively, and I'm like, that's not going to help anything. <laughs> right, right. So, Tricia, have you shared um, your near death experience with any of the students? Yeah, that's a great question. As odd as it sounds, and I did work in public school systems, I thought, you know, every teacher tells some story about their lives. There's one day where they get off topic, and I said, right, that's always going to be the story I tell. <laughs> wow. So yeah, they were shocked every time. <laughs> right. Less so the last five, 10 years in the college level because I think it is becoming a little more mainstream and people understand or they're adults. Uh, but, but high school kids and junior high kids back in the nineties and early two thousands, I mean, their, yes. their mouths just dropped wide open and they were like, absolutely. <laughs> wow. What do you think if you grew up and you were taught, I also grew up Christian and, you know, we were taught about heaven, but it was, something that was very hard to, you know, wrap your arms around. And if young children were taught at that four or five years of age, when they're still so close to the source and they still, many can see spirit and they're, you know, remembering. And if they were taught what we know to be true, that, you know, love and life are eternal. And even to hear stories when they get a little bit older about what, you know, your story and the millions of the ones that are out there now, how do you think that could change people? That's such a wonderful question. I think kids need to talk about the light and their wisdom and there needs to be forums where they can do that. I would love to be a part of that, of, of just listening to their wisdom, but also yeah. offering them some ways to think about that and, and perhaps uh, connect with it. But 
there are so many children who remember past lives, who still right. spirits, who remember God's love and remember what that is like. So to allow them to participate in conversations about that and I think would be amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to, uh, it doesn't have to be, it can be a supplement to religion because I, I see that, you know, many religions are wonderful. And I look back at my moments and I'm glad that I had those moments of praying and those moments in, in nature where I still thought about the Bible as a little kid and connected yeah. with Jesus and connected with God. Those are beautiful moments. So I think it's the, the spiritual is sometimes left out and maybe that's what needs to be addressed at, at young ages. And it, it would be wonderful, you know, for parents who are open to allow their kids to do that. Right. You know, that is really true because you, people say, well, you know, what about the parents? They have to be on board, but it could be a supplement, you know, because all religions, major religions talk about an afterlife and we know it's pure love, but that's as far as it goes, you know, it's not, what do you, do you think it would have made a difference? You were 10 years old when your grandpa died. Is that right? Yeah. Did you ever feel like that you, when you were that young, did anybody ever talk to you about connecting with him or maybe having dreams with him or dreams about him or, or anything like that? Yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful just to sit with the child? And I actually just wrote, wrote a, a little story, a little book about this, um, helping children, because I just, I imagine, you know, even let's say a dog passing and, and, you know, they're not gone and let's sit down and pray or whatever word you want to use, meditate and feel the energy of that love and, you know, talk to children about synchronicity. And I mean, it could bring so much more love into the process versus fear. Do you agree with that? I, I do. And I think there's this tendency, like I look back at my grandmother's, I mean, my grandfather's funeral and my grandmother and other people, they, they were focused on the casket and the tie. And then I overheard that what they do to the body, the embalming process. And so, oh my gosh, totally focused on the physical. In fact, in some kind of weird way, I was like, do I touch him? Do I not touch him? He's not going to be the same. And everything about the whole funeral seemed to be focused on the physical, not the, uh, obviously my grandmother loved him, you know, and right, that right. element, but no one really talked about continuing on or that love continuing on yeah, might still yeah. be my guide over there you know watching right wishing the best for me that that was not a concept that i heard but how great would it be if more people had yeah if we can just but i think that that seed is being planted by you and so many others because it it trickles down right the ripple effect so as we learn and believe and know that trickles down to the younger, younger generations, but, but I'd like for it to come sooner, <laughs> sooner than later, which brings up the subject of this wonderful summit you have coming up. So can you tell my listeners about, about your summit? Yeah, and it's a perfect transition because my grandfather over there tells me that one of his main missions, and he has helped, I believe it or not, from the other side to uh, remind me to talk more about heaven and the beauty of heaven and the perfection of heaven. Right. He showed me, and I, I just want to bring a piece of that 
feeling to earth, a, a piece of it here and there. And the summit from the beginning has been my hope to do that, to bring that energy of heaven in the stories where people talk about these moments here to earth, to make, to make this place more beautiful and to make us more aware of that connection, that spiritual connection. But yeah, the summit has tons of speakers this year. There's uh, several near-death experiencers, of course, but there's also some healers. And my focus is, this will happen online on August 1st and 2nd, and you can find it on my webpage at uh, trishabarkerinde.com. But basically I wanted it to be free. So if people are struggling, then they can tune in, they can watch as much of this as they want on that day. And if they would like a recorded version, then they can purchase that. But Wonderful. really my whole reason for this is to spread that piece of heaven. Yeah, yeah. So what, that begs the question, what was heaven like? I know you've kind of answered it, but just in a, yeah. yeah. So the greatest peace imaginable. So if we just left all the worry behind and we really let our soul just sink into perfect peace, I think that's mm -hmm. for me what it feels like. You know, if you think of your best meditation or your best beach vacation, <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever it yeah. is, it does make you feel deep peace. I think it's deeper than that. So it's better than a massage and a beach and a deep meditation. All of that. I know it's so, it's almost an unfair question because I know it's ineffable. And you hear that from every person who's had an, had an NDE and we always want descriptions, but I know. I think the weird part is how much, especially when we go through tough times here, how much longing there is for it. And I know we sound like we're suicidal or something, and that's not really the case. It's just right. a missing that perfection and a missing that beauty and that peace. And, right. and I know that there's reasons why our souls are here and we have missions yes. and, and all of that, but, but that experience was amazing. I, I don't see how you could go through that and not long for that or, or, and longing like you're, it's not like you're going to do something, but longing that you miss it and you, and you remember like it was yesterday. It's just, ugh, the stories are just so profound. And so this is your third summit, right? Yes. 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 So I want to tell the listeners that I don't think I was around. Well, I mean, I was around, but I don't think I knew you when you did the first summit. The second summit was just amazing. And it it's so, you just awaken a part of your heart and your soul. So I really encourage everyone to tune in and listen. And I, I think it's just so wonderful of you to for it to be free this year and I think there are also going people will also get a copy of Sylvia's book I heard that today on that interview yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. about dreams yeah. she uh, has had these Sylvia Isaacson has had these downloads from heaven that's yes. what she titled it and it's just amazing since she was a young girl she's met her grandfather in dreams and she's just given a lot of information from the angels to apply to life and it she inspires me. I mean, all of the speakers there inspire me. It, oh, so just, inspiring. I just feel blessed to know the people I know. And it's, it's right. 
Well, we need to wrap it up, but before I let you go, uh, could you just, just wrap it up with what you were told, the lessons or the things that you were, the messages that you came back with? Yeah, so remind them to go to nature. And I think in this time period during the pandemic, a lot of people have been thinking about that. What's the real revolution? Is it growing one's own food? Is it getting closer to nature? Is it being less of a consumer and more of someone who really soaks in the beauty of this world and treasures this world? These are important thoughts. And yes. things that humanity does need to be reminded of, our balance with nature is vital and then love is all that matters and all we take with us really every day i think every person should think what am i doing to love myself more what am i doing to give love to others what am i doing to give love to this world like love should be our legacy at least that's the way it seemed because our memories and our life review and everything that we take with us is made of love so that love that we have for pets, that love that we have for whatever is a beautiful thing. And it's connected to that childlike joy. So that, that image and that idea that's biblical too was one of the messages, which was be like a little child. And how hard is that at times? But don't children heal us? I mean, isn't it the greatest acts of love that and innocence that, that move people to go, you know, I'm going to rethink this. I mean, when you look at topics around racism, people are always posting pictures of beautiful little kids of different races hugging one another. And there's a reason for that because at our core, we're love. And at our core, that's what we are. And that's the beauty of who we are. So I think being like a little child and love is all that matters, they kind of go hand in hand. Yes, absolutely. Well, Tricia, thank you so much for coming on the show again. And once again, if people want to find you and also find the summit, um, where, where would they go? Yeah, so I'll keep it updated on my website, which is trishabarkerinde.com. Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A, Barker, N-D-E.com. And would love to have you join and would love to connect with you. So thank you so much for chatting with me and the opportunity today. Absolutely. And um, I will definitely be there, be there at the summit. I look forward to it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay, Tricia. Thanks a lot. You have a wonderful day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.